Hello and welcome to DesignCast, a podcast where I interview a wide range of excellent guests in design and STEAM education to get their unique perspectives. My name is Jason Regan and I use my 20 plus years of experience as a design educator to dig deep into complex issues. This podcast has one simple mission, to create a community of people around the world that are interested in design and STEAM education. Each episode, I chat with guests from all corners of the design world, from classroom teachers to authors and even to educational consultants. We discuss a wide range of topics that we feel are relevant today. I do want to ask you that if you're enjoying this podcast, please leave a review, rate, subscribe, share, or download from your favorite podcasting app. This helps the podcast get discovered by listeners that might not find it otherwise. Also, it helps me to continually define the direction of future guests and episodes. Feel free to drop by my website, www.jasonreagan.ga, to leave me a comment or to sign up to be considered as a future guest on future episodes. Also, don't forget to stop by Anchor and leave me a voice clip that could even end up in an upcoming show. Thanks for listening. So let's get to it. On this episode of DesignCast, I had the pleasure of talking with Phil Cotton. Phil is a design and technology teacher and founder of Learn by Layers. Learn by Layers is an online resource for all of the things an educator might need to design and deliver a 3D printing curriculum in their classroom. Phil and I had a great time chatting about how his business started, how he has had to adjust during the current global situation to meet the needs of his customers, and what his vision is for Learn by Layers. Check out the show notes for links to the resources that Phil shares. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy this chat with Phil Cotton. Welcome back to another episode of DesignCast, and I'm absolutely thrilled to have Phil Cotton here with me today. Phil, how are you? Hi, Jason. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me here. I am really excited to chat with you, and James Bleach tells me you're the guy, and so that totally works out for me. Yeah, James is the oracle. He's a king of uh, design. <laughs> absolutely. He's definitely is, is up there, I'll tell you what, in the hierarchy. So if you don't mind, can you just tell everyone a little bit about yourself and sort of what led you into teaching? Yeah, sure. I'm a design technology teacher for the past 10 years and my current role uh, within school is head of department in a school in Greater Manchester. Also, I'm the founder of Learn by Layers, which is an online website which provides 3D printing resources for teachers and schools who are looking to start 3D printing. I'm also an associate facilitator for the National STEM Centre, so National STEM Learning, where I plan and deliver uh, CPD to teachers who want to learn about 3D printing. And then on the back of this, I'm also a certified instructor for Fusion 360. So quite a lot going 
going on there. But in terms of how I got into teaching, I started with a passion for design when I was at school. I loved design and technology. It was the only subject that really interested me. I had a great teacher, a great school, and it was the only subject that I thought, yeah, I really want to go into the design technology lab and I really want to engage with this. So I just followed it through, uh, through to A-levels. I went to university. I studied industrial design and technology at Loughborough University. And then after that, I found myself sort of thinking, right, what do I do next? And I, I decided to go traveling when I graduated. I didn't really want to go into the world of work straight away. I thought, you know, I want to, I want to see the world and travel. It's quite a common thing to do in the UK. So yeah, during this time, I was working in the USA. And one of the jobs that I did involved me training other employees. And what I enjoyed about it was working with others and passing my knowledge on. And I really, I really thought there's something really positive to do. So after I finished working in the States, I returned to the UK and I sort of had to make a few life decisions. I thought, you know what, I'm going to have a think about teaching, teaching in schools. I love design technology. I had a degree in it. You know, I enjoyed working with others, sharing knowledge. So I thought, right, I'm going to have a go at teaching design and tech. Um, so I basically went to my old school, uh, volunteered for a week just to see if uh, this is something I want to do. I hadn't been in the school for years. Um, and you know, school hadn't changed. It was amazing. The teachers were amazing. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to give this a go. Um, so I applied uh, to study design and technology, PGCE, so a postgraduate certificate in education at the University of Manchester um, with a guy called David Spenlove. He's well-renowned within the design world. Yeah, that was it. Basically, after after I did my PGCE, uh, I got my first job as teaching and never never looked back. And it, and it was one of the best decisions uh, I've made in my life to become a teacher. I tell you, you know, it's funny. I, I hear all these stories from people about the path and the journey that they've taken to becoming involved in design and STEM and STEAM and that sort of thing. And uh, your journey is very similar to a lot of other people who've been on this podcast. So it's really fun to hear that. And so before we started, you were saying you worked for a little bit in South Carolina. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? It was a dream job. It was beach lifeguarding. For someone from the UK, that is pretty pretty sort of bizarre to go and do because it's not a common job here in England. Uh, our beaches aren't very exotic and the weather's not very warm. Uh, so it's not something that you do. And I just saw this job in the States. I engaged in BUNAC, which is British University's North American Club, which is an exchange program. Uh, so I got a visa to go and work in the States. And and yeah, I got this job, Beach Lifeguard, and, and it was amazing. You know, it was the excitement of, of working on the beach, of uh, dealing with unpredictable situations, having to solve issues every day. And that sort of core element of the job of it's different every day sort of fits fits a lot into education. So that sort of lasted for a few years. It was in the summers when I was at university. I used to fly over work in the States. And then after I finished during traveling, I, I also worked for a couple of years doing it. And it taught me a lot because the job did off stressful days, some real stressful situations, a lot of the time dealing with medical emergencies or, or, or life and death situations. And um, you had to make decisions under pressure that had far-reaching consequences. And remaining calm and being able to deal with that pressure is is something that I've took through to the classroom because education is obviously very challenging. And you have days in school where it's unpredictable and there's stressful situations. And a lot of what I learned while working in America has really defined me as a person in the classroom. It was a time in my life that essentially carved out my journey of going forward. Some really, really good life skills learned there. Yeah, it sounds that way. When you were describing sort of the things that you do every day, it made me think that it sounds a lot like day-to-day -day life, not life or death necessarily, but lots 
lots of quick decisions on your feet kind of thing like you would do in the classroom you said you found that you've used some of those skills huh definitely definitely that that ability to improvise um to think quickly to make a decision literally within seconds is, is, is something that you do every day in education building up that that confidence to do that while i was in the states you know it, it well probably one of the most important things i took from working there you get good food down in South Carolina too. That, <laughs> oh, that you doesn't do. hurt the situation. <laughs> um, um, unless it's grits. Unless it's Oh, I grits. love grits, man. Come on. Don't be no. dogging on grits. <laughs> That's funny. So it's the poor man's polenta. But uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah. let me ask you a little bit. So you, you went back to the UK and you've been working in the design and technology department. What sort of led to you founding the Learn by Layers? Learn by layers has sort of evolved over teaching 3D printing essentially for the past nine or 10 years. I started teaching it in the classroom and sort of in the early days, it was quite, I couldn't find many teachers that had 3D printers. So we're going right back to 2010 now. I, I saw a 3D printer and I thought, right, I want to put it in the classroom. It made an impact straight away. And to sort of fast forward a few years, um, probably about 2015, there was 2016, there was a real interest around it, a real buzz around it. I found myself, I was promoting 3D printing on social media. I found myself being asked for lesson content. I used to help other schools get started with 3D printing. Teachers would come to a classroom and I would give them advice about how to get set up. And that was more locally, local schools. But I found out that there was, there was, there was a lot of requirements from from abroad so on linkedin people would people message me and they would ask for resources ask for ideas and this sort of became a a a tipping point where i thought there's something in this the demand was so great that i thought i've got to put something together and learn by layers sort of just morphed from this demand this request for essentially educational resources to teach in the classroom i decided to design a curriculum that would pretty much be used in any classroom in the world it was it was a generic curriculum i thought to myself rather than just putting a few lessons together on a whim i really thought if you're going to teach something over 10 12 weeks to teach a full curriculum if you really want to get good understanding of 3d printing what's it going to look like you know what does what does a 3d printing project going to look like that could be a uh, universal in a school in australia or a school in the usa or the uk so basically i put i put something together and i launched it on on the website i came up just came up with the name learn by layers because obviously 3d printing being a layer by layer process it was it was a play on a play on that yeah got it launched and within within 24 hours a a school bought in from australia and it was pretty unbelievable because there was no playbook for this there was no other sites that did anything similar that i was aware of you, you've got teachers paid teachers in america but that's quite generic on sort of any subject so we just thought yeah you know, see what happens and then one school led to another school and and you know we've it just started gathering pace um, and started promoting it on social media and and then more and more schools were interested in it um, it is really sort of grown over the past few years same a lot of the time the schools have worked their way through the curriculum they requested more content so I expanded the lessons kept adding more to it basically upon the demand of what teachers wanted uh, so the feedback from the first schools was right we want more of this so I was like right okay I'll, I'll, I'll respond with that essentially what turned out as 10 lessons to start off with with about 70 resources has now grown into uh, five different curriculums there's over 350 resources there's beginners intermediate advanced packs but even all the way up to high-end resin 3d print and coding it's become a beast of a of a learning resource which it's been really good because you know when, when you when you start something out you know say a new business a lot of people want to 
base it upon an existing business that's already out there and you've got something to go off with this there hasn't been anything to go off it literally has been i just go with the demand of what schools want and try my best Mm to 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 meet their demand that sounds great it's amazing how many times i've heard people talk about there's been a need for something and so they just met the need (laughs) so (laughs) yeah how has the pandemic affected the way you do business it's been a turbulent year. So initially, when this all kicked off in March and April, there was there was a big uh, demand for remote learning. A lot of schools were asking, can this be taught via Zoom? And yeah, it could be um, because uh, it's all PowerPoint, Word document videos. And yeah, you can, you can, you can teach it via Zoom. So there, there was initially the demand for, can this be uh, taught remotely, which it could. And then it's like, well, what happens when we go back to class? Well, theoretically, the curriculum can continue in class exactly the same. It's just who's got access to the 3D printers to print out the designs. And you know, essentially, the teacher would, would have to manage that part because not many kids have got 3D printers at home. In terms of the pandemic, uh, it, it's kind of now morphed into a demand for asynchronous learning, as well as being able to teach in class. Uh, teachers have demanded online courses. So they want to get their skills up to scratch first before they then teach the curriculum. So we've added a Fusion 360 course and a coding and 3D printing course, and I'm working on a on an on-shape course at the moment. And, and also from homeschoolers as well, not just from teachers, but from homeschoolers, from parents um, wanting to learn about 3D printing to then teach their kids. Uh, there's this demand for self-guided tuition to then teach the curriculum, which is pretty interesting. Pretty interesting to sort of think about planning asynchronous learning. It is completely different from just creating resources for a teacher to teach asynchronous learning, where essentially you are being taught that via video lessons is is completely different uh, thought process you have to take from your standard lesson planning in the classroom. We've had to all pivot to adjust to what's going on in the current situation. And, and so where do you normally get your inspiration for your units and your and your curriculum that you're writing is it from your own classroom experience or from what other people i know you said you've dialogued with lots of different schools so yeah what's where do you where are you getting most of your inspiration and most of your feedback it's a sort of blended too i think about what works in the classroom if i've got an idea i think you know would that actually work in the classroom and then i get feedback off other teachers i throw ideas around and you know yeah that looks good give that a go um, so I'll create something you know share it with a few teachers see what they think and then sort of go at it that way there's no sort of set formula for it really it's quite organic it is meeting a lot of the demand upon what schools are after so the inspiration side of things inspiration is very it's a challenging thing because it doesn't just happen you could go a few weeks you could go a few days where you've hit the wall and you know a project is on hold and then two weeks later you've had time to digest you've spoken to people you've thrown a few ideas around and then the penny drops and and then you can get to work on it so there's not this set formula it, there's a lot of different influences that uh, sort of guide the way that i go with the content but i think what one of the most important things is understanding how children learn and what will work in the classroom and what won't work. I think that's where a lot of the a lot of the positivities come from because when I design something I do think Right, so if I put this in front of a class of 12-year-olds, if I'm going to start teaching this, what are they going to think? Are they going to think, yeah, great, sir, this is brilliant, you're really interested, or are they going to like go, yeah, don't get my iPhone out, this is boring. Um, yeah, there's the, so inspiration is, is sort of a, a lot of, it's quite messy, quite messy getting you know, inspiration. It's not an easy thing to, um, to sort of nail down. 
Yeah, and I think that's why it's hard to be a non-educator and then try to do this kind of thing. There's a lot of companies that have tried, 3D printing companies have tried and not succeeded with online learning or curriculums because it's not something that you can just sit in an office and go, I'm going to create a curriculum and all schools are going to love it because unless you've had that experience in the classroom, how do you know what you're designing is actually going to work or how are the kids going to respond to it? And I'm hoping that's where obviously my, my strengths are completely different to what is out there at the moment with other businesses is that they're not educators i'm still i'm still an educator in the classroom you know at term time i go into school and i'm in tune with what the current kids are are demanding in the classroom what do you normally use as far as are you is your curriculum set so that the teacher can decide what kind of application they're using or are the curriculum that you've written are they application specific or how does that work <laughs> there's a blend there's like a core a core curriculum on learn by layers that is based around tinkercad and fusion 360 and both of these are free for education but then i've also created a mirrored curriculum using onshape so onshape is a browser-based cad modeling software where you don't need to download any software or configure it you just log into a browser so we've got tinkercad in a browser you've got onshape in a browser you can basically teach all the design aspect of the curriculum without having to download any software some schools can download software quite easily some schools can't it depends upon the policy within the school in terms of the applications there's different options available depending upon the situation of the school so if you're a school that runs chromebooks you're going to struggle with fusion 360 because you you, you can't you can't download it onto a chromebook so you'd probably be best going for the onshape version uh, because everything can stay in a browser and, and the, the key thing about all of the software that is used is it's all, it's all free for education. So it's just a case of registering the kids' emails or, or registering the school, and then you can access it for free, which is really good and, and obviously important that software is available to use and it's cloud-based and, and uh, accessible and affordable. Has it been difficult to be able to set up a non-3D printer model (laughs) brand, like a generic curriculum, if that makes sense? Because, you know, if you're designing for something that's a MakerBot or a Pressa or or something else, have you noticed there's been a call for certain kinds of skills? The curriculum can be taught with any 3D printer. So the 3D printer is the final part of the process. So imagine if you're writing a dissertation, you could write it on Google Cloud, on Office 365, doesn't matter what you create it on, the printer is the final the final stage in getting the models to 3D. So you could the curriculum can be used essentially with with any 3D printer because it's this this is all about designing files, uh, generating 3D models and then exporting them to then be 3D printed off. So the type of printer you've got in school, it doesn't matter. Uh, the curriculum can can be used with any any 3D printer. Yeah, because I would assume that might affect certain people because they may not be able to retool. So that's great. I know that's it is right there at the end and it's really kind of the outcome. But I was yeah. just curious how that would really affect what you were doing. And so what have been some of the challenges you've had, Phil, as you've set this thing up? The challenges really has been on, on the business side of things and creating the platform, creating the website, learn by layers and making sure everything works as it should. Because if, if, if you're a... If you're a consumer and you're going to go onto a website, you need to have confidence in that website to buy the product. Creating the website has has been a real challenge because I was never a web developer and 
if you want to create something that's bespoke, you've either got to pay someone a lot of money to do it, or you've got to have a go yourself and, and, and learn how to do it. So the past few years, I've essentially become a bit of a web developer on the side with managing the website. I've learned basic coding, learned how to edit WordPress plugins, developed configurations, tested them all out. And that has been a huge learning curve and involved yeah, reading blogs, watching YouTubes and, and how to get how to get the website working the way I want it. Because in essence, if you're having a platform where you can download digital files, that's that's quite straightforward. But then if you want someone to be able to log in and go through online learning platform for self-guided asynchronous lessons, that's quite challenging to do. And to get those two blended together was not easy. So the, yeah, the big challenge has been the sort of infrastructure side of it and keeping everything going without having to pay an external web development agency, literally tens of thousands of pounds. And then on the curriculum side of things, a major challenge is when the software companies or Fusion 360 decided to change their interface, I'd written a load of lessons for how to design iPhone cases and all sorts of things. And then they, they went and changed their interface and it was a pretty drastic change. And it's like, my lessons didn't look like the same as Fusion anymore. So then I had to then go back and rewrite everything to make sure that schools had the latest version because obviously that's that's vitally important in class when you are teaching CAD that the resources mirror the CAD package. Yeah, when there's a major update, that is a huge challenge. But it's a challenge in really in time because you've got to go right you need 100 hours to to rewrite everything and you know 100 hours is, is a lot of time to put aside unexpectedly and you're still working full time so i mean it yeah, doesn't yeah. help the situation no there's been a lot of burning the midnight oil that's unbelievable so thinking to the future you know and things start to settle down schools kind of go back into the normal rhythm what do you see as a big vision for where you'd like to see learn by layers going it's good to see it get into more classrooms to see it scale up because i think i think one of the things is is exposure there's a lot of teachers that want to get into 3d printing that want to teach it but do they know about learn by layers? And it, the, the, the vision really is to increase that exposure, to get it into more schools, and then to build more partnerships. We've got a partnership with FlashForge USA, and that's really strong because FlashForge bundled the curriculum with their printer, and then they're a huge company. They sell it as a, as a package to, to schools. That has been really good. And I think building upon those high value partnerships is will be will be really good to to get that exposure more and then as well publishing more courses yeah the pandemic has has driven the need for for online learning and it's kind of the natural flow to follow is is to get more online courses where teachers can upskill themselves in CAD gain a bit more confidence and and then they can go when they get back to the classroom they can then go and go and teach the curriculum if 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 that's what they want to do yeah that that's the sort of vision of just just keep going with what we've got and then expand it i think it's great that flash forge is doing that and and that's an option for people buying those printers and that's great that you've got those partnerships like that and i know that as more boutique 3D printer makers and manufacturers could pop up. I'm sure that there'll be more opportunities for you to jump on that with the ones who are, you know, selling to schools and stuff. That sounds really yeah. cool. Let me ask you this. What are you really excited about at the moment? We've had a lot of kind of negative news in the last yeah. year. What's something that's really good that's that's happening and what are you excited about? I'm excited about the direction that 3D printing is going to go over the next decade. When it landed in education 
uh, you know, five, 10 years ago, um, it was very, it was very bespoke. It was quite high end. 3D printers weren't cheap. I remember my first 3D printer was £3,000. Now you can get them for, for under £200, a couple of hundred dollars. And it's really that reducing in price point has, has allowed more schools to access the technology uh, and get it into more classrooms. So that is exciting to see how that's going to evolve further. I'm really excited now about this current generation are essentially the first generation of kids that are taught about 3D printing in education and how are they going to use that in real life? So what, what's it going to look like in 10 years' time? Where are they going to use these skills? Yeah, it's revolutionizing manufacturing and design uh, like we've never witnessed in our lifetime. So what, what's going to happen in, in the next decade? Me personally, I don't think uh, it's going to be that long until you will see a hospital with its own 3D printing lab where they will print out scans of, of you know, people's organs or they've broken a bone and they will 3D print an arm cast. So th- there's huge scope with Within, within the next 10 years. And, and that, to me, how is this current generation going to use it in real life when they get into jobs and careers? That's that's going to be exciting, really exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just reading this morning that NASA's teamed up with a bunch of other folks around the world to develop the big 3D printer they're going to put on the moon so they can create housing. I don't yeah. know if you saw that or not. Pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty pretty, pretty crazy. There's, all, yeah. there's actually a 3D printer in the International Space Center. It's Sorry, International Space Station. Um, so if you have, a, you have a look at a company or a, an organization called Made in Space, yeah, they've partnered with NASA and uh, they've got a 3D printer that is printing away on the International Space Station. And it's pretty... It's, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. They 3D printed a, a part a few years ago. It was, a, it was a little ratchet. And NASA released the file the next day. I then downloaded that file and then printed it off in my classroom and said, look at what happened on the International Space Center Station last night. Now we've just downloaded this file that was printed up in space and we're printing it in classroom. I tweeted this to, to NASA and and got a got a like, and my my Twitter followers went up significantly. But the but the kids went the kids went crazy about it. They they were just in shock that this file had been printed in space, and then within twenty four hours we were printing it in the classroom. That's mind blowing. Yeah, it's it's the vision or the so the area of three D printing in space is just unbelievable. The potential for manufacturing products in space in zero gravity, and then using those products back on Earth. There's a huge huge potential for that. It's a whole new world we're just exploring pretty cool i didn't know that i'll have to check that out that that sounds fun let me ask you this phil what's a book that everyone should drop everything they're doing now and read i think the one of the most uh, influential books i've read and it's quite old and probably quite hard to get hold of so they may not just be able to go down to Barnes and Nobles or Waterstones and get this, but it's called Digital Dreams. Digital Dreams, the work of the Sony Design Center. It is probably the most powerful book in terms of design and design and technology and learning about design and the thought process behind design that I have I have read in my lifetime. I would recommend anyone who's got an interest in design to definitely look that up on Amazon and uh, spend a bit of time reading it. it. I think it's about 20 years old, but it's one of those books that it will define your thought process with design and technology. That sounds great. Who should we follow on Twitter right now? I would follow Tom Sheringham, who is a leading author, and he wrote The Learning Rainforest. And that book about how children learn and what's relevant in the classroom, I think that's vital if you're an educator. His Twitter handle is at teacher head Tom Sherrington. 
And let me ask you one more thing, Phil. How can folks get in touch with you if they want to find out more about what you're doing? A few ways. On Twitter, Phil Cotton at Learn by Layers 3D. Or they can send me an email through the website. Uh, when you log on the website, it's up in the top corner, info at learnbylayers.com. Fantastic. I appreciate that, Phil. So Fantastic. listen, Phil, this has been so much fun to talk to you. And I know that as the pandemic starts to hopefully shake out and loosen up, Hopefully we'll all be out again meeting and greeting and we can meet in person at some point. But it's been great chatting with you. I really appreciate you taking time out to speak to me. No problem. Thank you. It's been really good to, to chat about 3D printing and design and technology. So thank you very much. <laughs> thank you, Phil. I appreciate it. Cheers. Hi, I'm John Zobrist and I listen to DesignCast from Singapore. I am Afreen Sheikh and I listen to DesignCast from Mumbai, India. I'm Danielle and I listen to DesignCast from Osaka, Japan. I'm Joe Smith and I listen to DesignCast from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I am Ronald. I listen to DesignCast from Jakarta, Indonesia. I'm Alex Braden and I listen to DesignCast from Shanghai, China. I'm Chris Willauer and I listen to DesignCast from Shanghai, China. I'm Andy Richardson listening to DesignCast from St. Paul, Minnesota. This is Craig Frelick, and I am listening to DesignCast from Singapore. This is David Ardley from Switzerland. Looking forward to your next DesignCast. I'm JD, and I listen to DesignCast from Qingdao, China. I'm Jody, and I listen to DesignCast from Georgia. This is Jared Dunbar, and I'm listening to DesignCast from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. I'm Enrique Caetano, and I listen to the DesignCast from Portugal. I'm Kevin O'Shea, and I listen to Design Cast from Shenzhen, China. I'm Linda, and I listen to Design Cast from Milwaukee. I am Samuel Landetin, and I listen to Design Cast from Dubai. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Design Cast. I'm Jason, your host, and I produced and created this podcast. If you have any input, I would love to hear from you. And I look forward to seeing you again really soon. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. We will see you on the next episode.